If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Time out. When there's gaps in coverage, every team needs a player they can count on to help. Aflac Supplemental Insurance can help close the gap between what health insurance covers and what it doesn't. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Aflac pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like co-pays or even non-medical expenses like rent or groceries. Get help with expenses health insurance doesn't cover. Visit aflac.com to learn more. The second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go. Ready to roll. It's a Wednesday live in Los Angeles, home of the winning Lakers. This is The Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening or watching, as always, thanks for making us part of your day. A lot of choices out there. Yesterday, I did top 10 NFC teams, top of next hour. Today, much more difficult. Top 10 AFC teams, draft over, free agency over, coaching staff set. Top 10 AFC teams, top of next hour. J-Mac Jack for that. Well, 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 kind of a surprise last night, J-Mac. Now, I have the Warriors in, I forget, five or six. You, Who do you have in War- this? I have Warriors in seven. All right. A lot of people freaking out. No need to freak out, folks. By the way, how about Jordan Poole last night? Huh? He played well. Told you he's in line for a big series. He is. They're going to need him. Warriors fans don't love him, but they're going to need him. Wiggins stunk. No show. All right. Not to go Aaron Rodgers, but R-E-L-A-X, Warrior <laughs> fans. Number one, Golden State, the reigning champs, came off a tough, long, emotional seven-game series, had very little time to prep or rest for this game. The Lakers came in with two days of additional rest, a huge deal for LeBron, a huge deal for AD. In fact, last night was only the third time all season that LeBron and AD both played simultaneously 40-plus minutes. The Lakers' stars were rested. They had a nice game plan. Let's be honest. Golden State didn't even have a defensive game plan, and they jacked 53 threes. They didn't have much of an offensive game plan. They've done this before. They let the series come to them. So that's number one. You got a rested, focused, underdog Laker team with a real game plan. Number two is, the Lakers are going to shoot more free throws in this series. 
Why? Because they led the NBA in free throws. Why? Because they initiate contact. Why? Because they can't shoot. It's a really, really limited offense. And Golden State let them do what they wanted to do last night. Nobody's out to get the Warriors. Nobody's trying to push the Lakers past anything. The Warriors were last in the league in free throw attempts. And on a night without much of a game plan, jacking 53 threes, that's what it looks like, a massive free throw disparity. Now, that said, you got to make Anthony Davis at least work for it. But again, Looney only played 29 minutes. Draymond Green in foul trouble, only played 34 minutes. The Warrior Stars, Wiggins didn't play very much, 33 minutes, and he was awful. So you got to put more length on the floor. They will. The Warriors will. You got to get the Lakers moving in transition. They will. You got to get the pace faster. They did a little bit in the second half. They will. And the third thing, the Warriors adapt better than any team in the league. They were in trouble against the Celtics last year, went to Boston and won. They were in trouble against Sacramento, went to Sacramento and won. That's what they do. Steve Kerr is worth a game in this series. He was against Mike Brown, he was last year, and he will be in this series. Now, I didn't pick Golden State to even get to the finals this year because it's a lopsided offense. It's too Steph-dependent. If Steph scores 31 points or more, they're 4-0 in the playoffs. Less than that, they're 0-4. The plus-minus is absurd. With Steph on the floor, they are plus 57. Without Steph on the floor, they're minus 47. This team is overly Steph-dependent, which was better in his prime, but he's 35 years old now. You're not getting a game seven. You're not going to get him as good on fewer days rest or when he's facing a very rested team. The Lakers came out through long Jared Vanderbilt and others at him, got him off his game. That's why Jordan Poole had so many open shots and took them. But the Warriors have no interior scoring. I believe, J-Mac and I have discussed this for months, I believe they will address it in the offseason. Looney's a great rebounder, but there is not a big guy in the league that has less offensive skill. He has no game. So now, did the Lakers, have they met their match? Well, they did last night. Have they met their match with a dominant, healthy, big now AD playing his best? Perhaps, but my feeling is game two, equally rested. AD played 44. LeBron played 40. Warrior starters closer to 33, 34, 35 minutes. Looney 29. Game two, you'll get a different energy from the Warriors. They'll play with more desperation. They'll have some sort of defensive game plan. I don't know what that was. Once Draymond got in foul trouble, that wasn't much defense at all. And here is LeBron and AD after. We've been playing playoff basketball uh, for about two and a half months, and I was just trying to you know, punch our clock in to be able to play right now in the postseason. So, um, you know, we've been very resilient tonight versus um, – uh, versus a team like Golden State, um, you know, defending champions, and we know how great they are on their home floor over the years. So um, to withstand that, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's another uh, good step for our for our, for our ball club. LeBron said after the game, "Quote: The Warriors play like road runner. You've got to get your rest. The Warriors didn't have any. The Lakers had over two days extra rest. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. This team adjusts." But Anthony Davis is going to have a great series. We have predicted it. 
It was better than I thought, but it should be noted. I'll get to this later. Look at his second half efficiency compared to his first. He wore down and historically has. Okay, so Joel Embiid, uh, a lot of people rooting for him to win the MVP. He's a funny guy. He's been great. Big personality. He's good for the league. He won the MVP. Now, he only played 66 games, but there's a precedent. Years ago, Bill Walton, decades ago, won the MVP, MVP and Bill Walton played um, like 57, 58 games. There's a precedent. But it did feel like it was as much about an anti-Jokic vote as it was a pro Embiid vote, didn't it? Jokic is off-brand. He's not vertical or flashy. He's not fun or fashionable. He's not on IG. He felt completely out of place at the All-Star game. It was embarrassing. Embiid is the NBA brand. Big personality. Funny. Big game. Dunks up and down the floor. He's a fun watch. The league and the voters did not want to give dull and efficient Jokic a third straight MVP. MJ didn't get one. Either did LeBron. But it's not that Embiid won. It was a landslide. 73 votes to 15. Wait a minute. I was lectured for years about the triple-double. That's why Westbrook won. How valuable the triple-double was. Over and over, nauseating the value of the triple-double. I said, if it was so big, why don't we talk about Oscar Robertson? If it's so great, then why isn't Russell Westbrook a winning player? On and on, I was lectured about the value of the triple-double. Well, that's kind of Jokic's thing. That's his department. He averages basically a triple-double. Apparently, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm. I've been told analytics are everything. I have scoffed at that. I have for years said analytics are great, and for the regular season, the volume game, I get it. Get to the playoffs. We saw it last night. Bigs beat smalls. Twos can beat threes. Rim protection, resiliency, basketball IQ means a lot more than I shoot more threes than you. But I was told by the experts, the value of analytics are everything. Well, Jokic has better analytics. PER, win share, (laughs) all those things I've been told are so valuable and that I've rolled my eyes at. So for the record, triple doubles now don't mean much right? Analytics are only part of the story. Okay, that's what I said for years. This was not a vote just for Embiid. It was a vote against Jokic. Jokic was part of a number one seed. He played more games, more rebounds, better analytically, the triple-double, and the vote was 73 to 15. I'll say what I said with Westbrook. NBA voters, and this is fine, I'm not outraged by it. They vote on stories and who they like and what's the better narrative. And in that case, it's Embiid. He is more fun. He's more on brand. He's a joker. He's a fun, active player that can do so many things. He's got a little bit of shack, a little bit of wilt, and I'm happy for him, right? But be careful in life for all you politicos and all you sports experts, what you lecture all of us small voices on. Triple-double is everything. Okay, okay, okay. Apparently not. Analytics are so valuable. I rolled my eyes. Apparently not. It's not that Embiid won. It's that it's as if Jokic didn't play more games or 
really, if you look at all the stuff I'm told that's so valuable, didn't really stack up. Oh, he did and more. I can be happy for Embiid. I really am. And, and Philadelphia is fun. That win the other night, Harden, Maxie, Harris, Doc. I like Daryl Morey. I like Philadelphia. I, mean, I, don't, I don't trust them in big spots, but they're fun. They're good for the league. But this vote did feel just as much anti-Jokic as pro-Embiid. Here's Joel after. I don't even know where to start. Uh, you know, he's been a uh, long time coming. Uh, you know, a lot of hard work. Uh, you know, you know, I've been through a lot. Uh, and I'm, just, I'm not just talking about basketball. It feels, you know, it feels good. Um, you know, I, I don't have, you know, I don't know what to say. Uh, it's amazing. Now, I do think in the history of the league, it is important for people like Joel Embiid to get an MVP. I do. I wish he played more games. I wish Jokic was represented a little more fairly. But I do think it's valuable. It's hard to tell the story the last 20 years of the NBA without Joel Embiid. I do wish his team was the number one seed Jokic was. I do wish he would win more in the postseason. But Jokic has neither. So I'm not anti Joel Embiid. I mean, he's very, very valuable. But that triple-double thing, for about two years, I was told the value of it. I roll. Now, apparently, it doesn't mean that much. All right, J-Mac. Top 10 AFC teams, top of next hour. Woo! J-E-T-S. You know the audience is waiting for it. All <laughs> You're waiting for it. <laughs> sure. You are part of the audience. Garrett Wilson talking up the Jets in the media. So the target's on our backs. The tables have turned, my friend. All right. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The second season of El Flow is here. Available como a ti te guste, in both English and Spanish. This season, we dive deeper into the vibrant world of reggaeton, featuring interviews with both reggaeton legends and exciting new talents. He's the undisputed king of reggaeton, no doubt. And he's been cited as an inspiration by multiple Latin stars, including... J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Osuna, Anti Natasha. Explore the evolution of this dynamic genre and what makes it resonate globally. 
how you consume reggaeton, how you share and distribute reggaeton. Those are all an important part of the story. It's the way that the people are experiencing reggaeton along with the musicians. Listen to El Flow as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Listen, we always call it in the NFL season, overreaction Monday. We should call it after the Warriors play and lose a game, overreaction whatever day. Uh, everybody's freaking out. The series is over. Listen, maybe the Warriors met their match with AD. But did you watch the game last night? They played AD the entire second half, all 24 minutes. And he made only two for nine from the field in the second half. Is playing AD now without extra rest sustainable? I don't know. 44 minutes is a lot for AD. I know what is sustainable. Steph Curry playing 40 minutes, running around, Mr. Cardio scoring 28 to 32 points. I've seen that for, you know, 10 years. That's sustainable. But AD in the fourth quarter was not the same player. Look at this. First half, he was 9 for 10. Second half, he was 2 for 9. 44 minutes of AD. Remember, because Memphis didn't have Steven Adams or Brandon Clark, it wasn't a terribly physical series for Anthony Davis against Memphis. He got a break. A lot of his points were easier points. It was a quicker series. Two days rest. Okay, You're going to lose that efficiency with AD if you're asking him to play 40, 42 minutes. So last night was well-rusted AD, well-rested, smaller Golden State without much of a game plan until the second half defensively, off a series against Memphis where he wasn't beaten up physically. Had they had Steven Adams, maybe you don't get 44 minutes last night. If it goes an extra game, you definitely don't get 44 minutes of AD last night. The issue has always been with AD, sustainability. It has never been talent. He's a top 7-8 player when he's healthy. But remember, Jason Tatum, in his prime, wore down in the finals last year. Boston relied too heavily on him. You remember that. AD, 44 minutes is a ton. And they need... They need LeBron in this series. You're not getting 44 minutes in that kind of night from AD in every game. But LeBron has now fallen in love with the three. He's shooting 18% in the playoffs from three-point land. 18% beyond the arc. Worst in the playoffs. And you'll need LeBron in this series. We know AD is going to have a good series. We know he's going to score a lot of points. We know he's going to be at the free throw line. But coming off 
no Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark against Memphis into a smaller team with two days extra rest. AD looked like Wilt Chamberlain against six six centers in that 70s. I don't think it's going to look quite that easy. Here, though, is Steve Kerr after. I thought AD had a great game. I mean, he obviously dominated and, and blocked four shots and altered some others. And But, you know, that's what this team has been doing now for the last few months. Um, they've, they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league for a reason, and, uh, and he's, he's a huge part of that. Now, remember, the last time AD was this dominant in the playoffs was the bubble. LeBron was closer to his prime, could give AD more rest. He was three and a half months off, a hiatus during the season. No travel. I'm just saying, 44 minutes for AD, is that sustainable over a series? I do not believe it is. Looney played 29 minutes. Draymond foul trouble only played 34. That first half was like, what? What is this? Varsity JV, I don't think it'll look quite that dominant. My hunch going forward. J Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. All right, Cowherd, let's start with Mr. Joel Embiid. He got that MVP award. Guy hasn't played since Game 3 of the Net Series with Bummer. that LCL sprain, but according to a report from Sham Sharania, Embiid told teammates, I'm back, and he is expected to play tonight in Boston. Not what I would do, uh, but I, here's what Doc Rivers had to say about Embiid's status. It's just health-based. If he can play, he plays. If he can't, he can't. And if he's 50-50, we'll probably err on the other side and not have him play because we've done that all year. When he does come back, if that's game two, game three, whenever he comes back, he's not going to be tired, and we're going to have to have to monitor that as well. That'll be a new thing to throw in. Now, I, Rivers in. is hedging his bets, maybe keeping Boston guessing a little bit, a little gamesmanship here. I, I, I just don't see the idea of forcing Embiid back when they're not playing again until Friday. Like, what, what are you doing? You want an 80% Embiid out there after the way the offense looked against Boston in game one? But let me, I'll throw this at you because I agree with you. And we talked about Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm a believer in once you steal home court advantage, if you got a marginal player, sit him out. You want, by the way, then when they beat you, they don't feel that confident because your star player didn't play. But if you're Philadelphia, are you sitting there thinking this? Okay, we can't get past the second round. We now lead 1-0, and there is self-doubt in that room. You listen to Jalen Brown after that game, there is self-doubt. We play MB tonight, and we win. This puppy is over. We have Boston now in kind of a weird spot where do they trust their coach late? Jalen Brown doesn't appear happy. Man, this, there is Boston vulnerable? It'd be one thing if you had three crowns. This team can't win a second. Are they saying to themselves, Boston is vulnerable here? Do you think Boston's vulnerable? Boston worried me in the Atlanta series. They, they did. But let, let's look big picture. They've dominated the Sixers head-to-head since Embiid's been facing the Tatum-Brown duel. I think it's like 11-4 something Harden's like that. Harden's not going to drop 45. Well, Here, here's, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on. What, why not? Last time I, I mean, did that was Celtics eight are going to defend ago. him that way, why, why can't he? Because he's James Harden and he's old. Well, listen, this isn't Anthony Davis in the ability, inability to bounce back. Remember, Davis against Memphis had like an awesome game one. Pretty much pooped his pants in game two. It was like 4 of 14. Yeah. And then he good in game three, bad in game four. Like... I don't think Harden's that level 
uh, like I, skittishness inconsistency. I, I think it's a harder decision for Doc and the Daryl Morey. I think it's a harder decision. I think not Boston's not reeling, but I don't think this team trusts itself with four minutes to go in games. I think Boston it does not exactly have the clarity of who they are like they did last year. I think at the end of last year, they lost to a better team, a deeper team. I think Boston has self-doubt right now. Because so when, you, when you watch them late, do you know what they're doing with three minutes to go? They well, don't. I, I didn't like the Marcus Smart drive into traffic at the Repeatedly. end of the game. That was a little questionable. Um, what spread I saw was 10. Maybe it ticks down a bit with Embiid playing. Oh, of course. I'm assuming you like Boston. I saw a stat. Oh, I wrote I it down on my phone. The last 14 times uh, the home team in Game 1 lost... 14 straight wins in game two. Well, so the Celtics are going to win tonight. Well, if Embiid doesn't play, it's probably a route. So that's what you're signing up okay. for. Okay. Do you want to have your team get shelled, go back to Philadelphia with a rested Embiid? If you're okay with that, I'm cool with it. I just think I I, I don't I think Boston's gonna jump out to a big lead, gonna play really hard, season like on the line. Yeah. yeah. I don't hate a first quarter bet on uh Celtics. On the Celtics. First quarter. T- 10 is just a big number. Double-digit spreads. Remember, game one, you know, we saw walk away. Uh, next up, the Lakers. Got that big win last night against the Warriors, man. one nothing Lakers. This is the fifth playoff matchup between Steph and LeBron. Uh, interestingly, this is the first time LeBron has ever led a series against Curry. Now, remember the one time he beat him, it was in game seven, series over. But this is the first time he's ever led a series against Steph Curry. Uh, Joe Lacob, CEO of the Warriors, talked about the rivalry between LeBron and Curry. You added, they had the college rivalry, which, you know, really translated, transferred then over to the NBA. So, I don't know, that, that really did revolutionize the whole NBA. I mean, I think we all understand that, right? Yep. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard to compare them, but this is big. This is right up there. And, um, well, you know, it's not over. So, uh, because LeBron apparently can go on forever. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I don't get it. But, uh, and maybe Steph can for all we know. Right. I hope so. But um, it's, it's a huge rivalry. Uh, this is our fifth time. Playing LeBron. Playing LeBron. Yeah. We've had a pretty good track record. No doubt. Um, it's just, it's epic. I mean, what else can you say? It's just flat out epic. Yeah, everybody's yeah. piggybacking our Magic Bird. Yeah, don't, don't tell me you don't like it. Come on. Uh, come on, man. I lived through Magic Bird. First of all, you had the two biggest brands. You had the left coast, the right coast. The Celtics were kind of chippy and 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 kind of a, a, a working man ethos. The Lakers were flashy with Magic Johnson. They were they were different personalities. They were different styles. And I I think these two teams right now. I mean, you got two teams in the West. And also, like, Magic was a Laker forever. Bird was a Celtic forever. I mean, LeBron's bounced around to multiple teams, multiple conferences. I don't, I don't, I'll say this. I don't think it's close. I think Magic Bird's the greatest NBA rivalry ever by a mile. Wow. I think it's, it's, it, it, I, it dominated over a, like, 12 years. They met three times in the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. That's it. You know, and and listen, regular season games were more scarce back then, right? You didn't have games on Monday, Thursday, uh, like all days of the week. Every single Lakers Warriors game is hyped and nationally televised. You just didn't get that and in also, the regular season. Also, you got I mean they they did add a Bill Walton to the Lakers, but I, I felt like Lakers Celtics it was a lot of the same players forever. The league's now highly Mikael Parrish, yeah, DJ Ainge. And it's just the league's now super mobile and LeBron's bounced around the league. I don't think in fact one of the downsides to pro sports and mobility, which I'm for, 
there aren't a lot of great rivalries. College football is the last sport with a bunch of great, great rivalries. Like, I don't care where I live. Bama, Auburn, you have to watch. Ohio State, Michigan. College football is the sport of rivalries, and I think it, it, it and the urgency of the sports, why college football is very, very popular. But, I mean, in baseball, I mean, how many times do the Red Sox and Yankees play? They don't feel okay. special. Fine, I got one for you. Brady Manning. Manning went to Denver. Yeah. They had, like, a rival. It was, like, 15 years. You could look at the NBA and say the last 15 years, the two most important players, LeBron and Curry. Because LeBron, you know, was utterly dominant I don't early. disagree, but I don't feel like it's a big rivalry. Those two players? No, I think it's... I think LeBron's rival is Michael Jordan. I think I think Michael Jordan is as a, the, uh, yeah as a player talent. I mean that's all we ever we never talk but, about Curry versus LeBron on this no, show. No, but the the different dynamic in LeBron's is six eight six nine two hundred seventy pound tank. We've never seen this guy before. Curry is a six three wiry below the rim dude. That like David versus Goliath. There is something there. I think if you look at Steph and LeBron's rival, it's history. They're trying to get on the mountain. LeBron's already there. No, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and I think I think their I think their legacies are their primary rival. I think when Michael Jordan was elevating, who was the best basketball player ever before Michael Jordan? It was never a discussion. You didn't have debate shows. It was, yeah. there was no discussion. I mean, Russell was the biggest winner. So I think Michael changed everything. Michael, by going six for six and being called the goat, it was never challenged until LeBron. So LeBron's rivals Michael even though they don't play together. Huh. I mean, it's always sort of like, in a weird way, Brady chased Montana, not Manning forever. Like, once he started winning second, third, fourth. But didn't Brady dominate Manning head-to-head? Early, but not part. late. Curry has dominated. Now he's had better teams. Yes. But you said the mountain. I'm just curious. Have you revealed your Mount Rushmore of NBA? Well, Only four guys. I know you said seven well, yesterday. Steph, Steph's not on it. Probably never gets there. Whoa, whoa, Ma- whoa. Michael, LeBron, and Kareem are on it. Michael, LeBron, and Kareem. So who's the final spot? You well, can't split Magic and Bird. And oh. Curry has had a bigger influence on the league from a player perspective. Okay, so this is my point that, that basically Steph's rival is the mountain. What if that's, he gets that's through? Deep. That's that's well, okay. That's what, deep. what if he wins? I mean, we don't love anybody in the East this year. What if he wins another championship well, I, as I MVP he's got again? A, he passes Magic and Bird on the top ten list if he wins another title this year I and an NBA Finals. Yeah. He, that's going to happen. So right. you got to put him on the mountain with Kareem, LeBron, and Jordan. No, this is uh, this is. I have a feet. Gosh, I got okay. All right, settle down. Uh, final story. Hey, it's nine thirty. We got to talk Jets. Aaron Rodgers getting used to his new receiving core. He's already making some major comparisons. The hype machine is in overdrive. Talking to his former punter teammate, Pat McAfee, Rodgers compared Garrett Wilson to his former All-Pro wideout, wait for it, Devontae Adams. Oh, boy. Obviously, Garrett, he's a talented guy. I threw him a pass today. Just kind of turned. I was like, wow. His ability to kind of get in and out of breaks. There's another 17 I played with. Oh, boy. For a long time. Oh, boy. Who does it better than anybody? But the explosiveness in and out of breaks to 17 here is pretty similar. <laughs> Come on. So Aaron Rodgers laying it on thick, going to Rangers games, Knicks games, throwing added, passes to teammates in April. They added Randall they? Cobb. Who? So he I'm did. Have, ignore, he did have that. a wish list, by the way. Hackett, Lazard, Billy Hunter, Randall Cobb. Could Aaron just? Turner, Billy Turner. Could they just be, Aaron, could you just be honest about it? Like, you had a wish list. Yeah. They complied. I have no problem. Brady had a wish list. Brady's really honest about it. I want Gronk. I want AB. 
It's just like Aaron doesn't want anybody to think he has a weakness. So he's like, I don't have a wish list. You did. Hackett, Lazard, Cobb. I don't know if Billy Turner was on it. It's like, it's okay to have a list. The older people get, the more comfortable we get in our own habits mm. and support systems. It's okay yeah. to want Randall Cobb. I kind of brushed off the Cobb thing as nothing, but I'm looking at the receiver depth chart. They... Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, they go grab Nicole Hardman like a gadget guy not slot bad, Not guy. bad. Interesting interesting player. Corey Davis still on the roster. Denzel Mims I don't think will be there. No, no, no. Where, no. Where's Randall Cobb playing? How is he cracking this this top four? When's the last time a team had all four of its top receivers play every game? You just got to have another dude. And if it's somebody that he's comfortable with, that's fine. If this means Miko Hardman can be healthy for the playoffs, because he, you know, he's, he's not a slight guy. I'm just thinking playoffs. Buddy, Hardman's an interesting player. I'm not really player. worried about the regular season for the Jets. I'm doing my now, best job. The, the question I'm is, I'm not worried about the West. Be very careful if you've already locked in the Jets making the top ten. Stop it. If the Jets don't make your top 10, I will walk off the set. <laughs> if they're not top 10 in the AFC, just forget about it. Cowherd, come on. I already got hotel room tickets in Vegas for the Super Bowl. No, I don't. I, I should, but I, I do not. All right. J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. It, it is. Now, yesterday I did their top 10 for the NFC. I took a wild stab at Carolina. I was mocked for that. I do think Carolina is going to win their division. I think it's a bad division. I don't think they'd win any other division in football. But I do think they've added a lot of pieces, great staff, offensive staff. Bryce Young, I think, while healthy, is going to be pretty good. Uh, pretty good early. Um, so I, I don't have a ton of surprises. It is remarkable how deep the AFC is. It is incredible. Like I felt yesterday, it's like Philadelphia won – Gap to San Francisco, too. Major gap to everybody else in the NFC. It is. You get six deep in the AFC, and you're like, oh, Kansas City's not healthy. They could knock them off. So much of the AFC is health. Philadelphia could lose four starters. They're going to win the NFC. Right? It feels like that. It's not the same way. Like, Cincinnati loses a couple starters on the O-line, Baltimore wins that division. Like, it's really, really tight. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo! Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, The Polly and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. If you're hearing this promo right now, it means you're listening to some other show. Uh, well, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, get your priorities straight. Well, maybe, Tony, they listened to this week's episode already. I don't care. Listen to it again. Yeah, great point there, Tony. Anyway, you. so you listening out there, make sure and go do that and uh, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two 
This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The second season of El Flow is here. Available como a ti te guste, in both English and Spanish. This season, we dive deeper into the vibrant world of reggaeton, featuring interviews with both reggaeton legends and exciting new talents. He's the undisputed king of reggaeton, no doubt. And he's been cited as an inspiration by multiple Latin stars, including J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Osuna, Ati Natasha. Explore the evolution of this dynamic genre and what makes it resonate globally how you consume reggaeton, how you share and distribute reggaeton. Those are all an important part of the story. It's the way that the people are experiencing reggaeton along with the musicians. Listen to El Flow as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Week four of the USFL kicks off Saturday at 1 Eastern on Fox as the Houston Gamblers take on the Philadelphia Stars. Then Sunday at 6.30 on FS1, the Birmingham Stallions battle the Pittsburgh Maulers. Top 10 AFC teams next hour at the very top. Very excited for it. I texted last night to the producer, Alex, very excited. I feel very strongly about the top five teams in the AFC then I think it's inches, not feet, the next five. It's close. It's injuries. It's how people <clears throat> get used to their new coach or their new team or their new culture. Front five, I love in the AFC. Next five, they're all good. Just a matter of health. Okay, so a lot of people, I don't understand this. If you've watched the Warriors, uh, they shoot a lot of threes. And it's their culture, and everybody's okay with it. Now, they have the right guys shooting threes. Clay, Steph, and Jordan Poole can shoot them whenever Wiggins is better mid-range guy, but um, you know that that's the guys that shoot their threes. And uh, Looney doesn't. Draymond doesn't very often. Um, Wiggins does occasionally, but I always think he's better in the mid-range or around the basket. So Jordan Poole took a shot at the end of the game. It was a good shot for Jordan Poole. It was a good shot for the Warriors. He's a reckless player. Last night, six assists, no turnovers. He was on his game. He kept him in the game. In the second quarter, he had a moment where he had nine points and one assist, and the assist got a three. He was very responsible for a 12-straight Warrior point run. 
So he played very, very well. And with Draymond getting in foul trouble, Wiggins giving you nothing, AD on fire, he kept the Warriors in the game in the first half. So I don't think people like Jordan Poole. Sometimes I don't think Draymond or his coach likes Jordan Poole, but don't don't confuse not liking him for not liking the shot. Here was Steve Kerr after. I had the timeouts left, but I saw them double-teaming Steph at, uh, at half court. So I knew somebody was going to be wide open if we could just get the ball uh, out. And Steph did a great job. He got the ball uh, out of the trap, and um, Jordan was wide open. And, and uh, pretty good look. And, um, you know, that's, that's a shot he can hit. You know, Jordan had hit six threes already, so um, it's a great shot for us. One of the reasons I say take emotion out of it it's okay for the fans to be emotional. Last night, Warrior fans are complaining about the officials. Bro, Lakers led the NBA in free throw attempts. Warriors were last. It's the style you play that doesn't create any contact. Last night was exaggerated because the Warriors shot like 53 threes. So it was one of those games where they didn't have like a great offensive game plan. The Warriors more rested, more focused. Underdogs played harder, more of a purpose. Nobody's against the Warriors, right? Like, you've watched the NBA the last eight years. So just ask yourself this. If Steph or Clay took that shot, would you be bothered? No. So why wouldn't you let Jordan Poole, who was the hottest shooter, take that shot? Here's Steph after. What did you think about Jordan taking that shot? Uh, you were getting doubled. It was early. You did have a timeout. Uh, you, you fine with that shot? For sure. I know he, he made six of them tonight. It was decisive. It was, you know, a shot he was open and, and flowing. Considering how they guard us on that possession, you know, trapping me at that half court, Draymond swinging it over to him, it's kind of in rhythm shot. It's just, you know, make or miss type situation. Uh, a lot of trust in him and his ability to put the ball in the basket. So you watch the Warriors and you watch the Lakers and there's Hall of Famers all over the floor. Steve Kerr's going to make it as a coach. It's just Hall of Famers. You watch the Knicks and you watch the Miami Heat and there's a one Hall of Famer and he didn't play Jimmy Butler. Uh, that series is actually, though, good for the NBA and I'll tell you why. 74 of the 105 points scored by Miami last night were from undrafted players. Miami's winning with culture. Brooklyn had three superstars, fell apart. That was actually good for the league. You can't just go buy superstars, randomly throw them together, and win. You can't. It sent a message to fans and the league. Miami, you can have undrafted guys. You play hard, you play together, you can win. I think it's a good thing for the NBA. I'm watching last night, and my question is, how's Miami keeping this thing close? How in God's name are they doing it? And the Knicks, meanwhile, have Jalen Brunson. He's not their best player in 20 years, but he feels like their best leader. Barely six feet tall, discarded by Dallas, second-round Jalen Brown, three years in college. These two teams are about leadership, IQ, toughness. That's why this series is important. The messaging is great. By the way, I like a little flash and drama too. I like Philadelphia. They're fun to watch. I like the Warriors. They got flash. But when the scales get unbalanced, Memphis or Brooklyn, too many stars, too many egos, too much drama, it's not good for the sport. 
So I'm watching Miami last night, and I'm thinking to myself, they are the Warriors East with just less talent. A lot fewer shooters. Uh, but Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Highsmith, 37-year-old Kyle Lowry. How is that thing competitive? It, it, I've said this before. Teams become their cities. Like most Laker teams that were great are flashy. Um, Detroit teams were always tough. Dallas tends to be flashy. Miami's different. Like Miami's this flashy international city, a lot of celebrities and sex appeal, and their culture in this flashy celebrity-driven city is like tough and relentless and defense and loyalty and culture. Uh, it, it, it is remarkable. I don't know if that's ever happened. 74 of Miami's 105 points from undrafted players. That makes no, and they rolled Milwaukee, rolled Milwaukee and Giannis. It's just a remarkable feat in the NBA in 2023, an international sport. And they're getting 70% of their points from undrafted guys on the road. And that game was a go either way game until Josh Hart and Brunson hit threes. I mean, you were sitting there watching that thinking, are are the Knicks going to lose to this group? And then Brunson hit a big three and then Josh Hart did game over. It was totally hanging in the ballast. I mean, I just, I'm kind of, it, it, what Miami's doing is hard to replicate. It just shows you that culture matters in this league. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge college hoops guy. I bet on the sport. I watch games in I November know. and December. More than anybody I've, I've ever met. I've never heard in my life of this Haywood Highsmith guy, whatever his name is, on the Miami Heat. He comes on the court. I'm like, I have to look up his co- wheeling Jesuit college. I never heard of the guy in my life. Just staggering what Miami does. Can I ask you a Lakers question sure. real quick? When the Warriors went on a 14 nothing run late in the game, it was with Looney off the court. Yeah. I know Looney had a good game. He had yeah. 11 or 10 and 23 boards, five right. assists. I don't know that they can play Looney and Draymond at the same time for long stretches because the, the Lakers just camp out AD and LeBron well, in the lane. Can you put Green in? They had uh, Jamichael Green in for a while. No, I'm not saying, but he can hit a three. I think you've got to go four guards a lot, whether it's DiVincenzo, Poole. Okay, so what did you notice about that run by Golden State? To me, what I noticed was the Warriors' pacing got faster. Faster with so the four the, guards, yeah. Yeah, so in the first half, it was just plodding, walk it up the floor, AD's camping in the lane, the Warriors are deferential. It was like, that. no, no, no. That's exactly what the Lakers want you to do. In the second half, the Warriors, generally a good third-quarter team, go in at half, adapt, they, move, they get the ball up the floor faster, and the Lakers look more vulnerable. And by the way, AD then tires is not as efficient. Still good, not as efficient. So Looney only played 29 minutes. They're probably thinking what you're... And also last night, they felt like they were chasing the Lakers. So at some point, one of the reasons they shot 53 threes, when you're down by seven, you're down by eight in the third quarter, well, the fastest way to catch up is Poole, is is Steph, is Clay hitting threes. If you look at the Curry shot chart against the Kings in game seven... A lot of layups. Not afraid to attack Sabonis and Barnes inside. Attacking. Curry did not really want to go inside because AD kept swatting shots. Well, here's the other thing. is So AD is not going to play, in my opinion, 44 minutes. No. So if AD's down to 37 or 38 minutes, in that six minutes, can you get stuff on the floor and get layups? Like last night, the Warriors got nothing in the paint. Mm-hmm. But again... That's because AD played more than he usually plays, and the Warriors' bigs played less. 
So if 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 AD averages thirty eight minutes, and you say it's only six minutes, no, no, th- <laughs> that's substantial. They got nothing yeah. inside last night. Yeah. So I, I mean, my guess is in the chess match, Kerr will go a little smaller, play Looney or Green, not both, and four guards, and then it's well, AD, you got to come out from the hoop and guard somebody. Can't stand under the hoop. We're gonna have four guys. Uh, our big guy's gonna be the screener for threes for Clay Curry Pool. So then, how does Darvin Ham adapt? You got to have AD and LeBron out there, so it's a it's a tall order. That's why I think the Lakers are in trouble. I'm with you. I'm not really worried about the Warriors after one loss. It's not that I'm not worried, but you have to make. We knew going into this series that AD would have a big series. That was given, um, and also there's no way Wiggins will play that poorly for the entire series. Yeah. Wiggins gave you nothing. I thought D'Angelo Russell played well. I thought Vanderbilt's defense was great. By the way, Vanderbilt and Russell midseason acquisitions. Not a job, not a bad job by Palinka. Yeah, those guys, they they were strong. Like I don't love D'Angelo Russell's game, but he had some big shots. No, no, no. I I don't. I'm not a D'Lo fan or a Pool fan. I thought they both played really, really Come well. Come on, Pool was Pool's fun. Come on, he's jacking thirty footers. Yeah, I don't know what this celebration was. I'm not into that stuff. I don't like it. All right, next hour, top ten AFC teams. Next, the second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 